welcome to Waypoint Community Church. Thank you for worshiping alongside us this morning. My name is Nick. I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm really glad that you've chosen to be here. Um, I hope that when you were singing that song, you, you know what that means to have the river inside of you. That you know what it means to have the love of Christ flowing through you. There were a few verses in there that I just thought were incredible and stood out to me. When it talks about coming alive in the river, that there's a current stirring deep inside of us, and it's overflowing from the heart of God, I hope that you know what it means to have Christ inside of you and to be overflowing through you so that you could come here today and worship a God that loves you and cares about you, and you've done nothing to deserve that love, but he still comes alive in each of us. And so this morning, we're going to continue talking about what we've talked about the past two weeks, but we're just going to go in a different direction. See, Pastor Blair got up here and he spoke on salvation the past two weeks. The first week, he talked about why you and I cannot do this thing called life on our own, why we need to partner with Jesus, and why we need somebody else to help us through this journey. And then last week, we had an opportunity to make a commitment in our life, in our spiritual walk. Maybe for some of you, you accepted salvation in your heart for the first time and decided to make a life-changing decision. Maybe others of you have followed Christ for a really long time and, and you kind of walked away from him, but you decided to recommit your life last week. Or maybe you've been following God for a long time and you feel really close with him and you just took last week as an opportunity to celebrate and thank Jesus for what he has done in your life and what he means to you. Wherever you're at, today I hope that we can talk about the next step once you've accepted salvation into your life and into your heart. Maybe some of you are here today and you're on fire for the Lord and you're like, what can I do? What else is there? What's next? Where can I go? What decisions can I make? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Because, see, that song that we just sang was, was a reference from a section of scripture that happened in John where Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman, someone he shouldn't have even been talking to, and he was sharing with her about what decisions she needed to make in her life to have a change, and he was referencing water in the well. However, what she was thinking was, who is this nut job? If, if I drink this water, of course I'm gonna be thirsty in a couple of hours, but Jesus responds to her and says, listen, you don't understand what I'm saying. If you drink this water, you will thirst, but if you drink my water, you will never thirst again. I will give you a new purpose a new passion, a new mission for life. It does not mean life gets easy, but what it means is for whatever amount of time you are blessed with here on earth, Jesus has made a way for you to be successful through it. And if that's where you are, it may be time for you to consider baptism. Now, I understand what happens. As soon as I say that, those of you who have been around Waypoint for a while might realize, oh my gosh, here we go again. Nick's going to explain what Waypoint stances on baptism, why they do it the way they do it, how they do it, and I've heard this year after year around this time because on September 9th, 
we are going to have our baptism service on site here, and we would love for each and every one of you to consider coming. Even if you're not getting baptized, I would like to extend an invitation to help pour into this community that you belong to. Not just the community of Waypoint, but the community of believers that you've connected with. And, and I am going to talk about Waypoint's stance on baptism, and I'm going to talk about what the day looks like, but I'm also going to take a section of scripture and discuss baptism in a way that doesn't typically get discussed. And so no matter where you are, whether you've been baptized in the past and you're like, yeah, I've already been baptized, this doesn't matter. Or if you're like, I would love to be baptized, but I can't imagine getting up in front of everyone. I hope that today there is something that you can walk away with. But before I do so, I want to share a story. This story happened probably two years ago when I was in the Dominican Republic with a mission team. On Wednesday night, we were having the church service, and after the service, we had an opportunity to dedicate some babies and baptize some adults. And so they asked, hey, Nick, would you like to be a part of the baby dedication? And I said, yeah, I would love to. What an honor. And so this young mom came up with this beautiful child who just had really full head of hair is what I really remember about this child and handed me her child. This is the first time I've ever met this lady and she handed her child over to me and they said, go ahead and dedicate this ch child. And so I started to pray over this child and I was thinking and saying things like, dear God, please just lift this child up. Give this child the strength to pursue you and allow her parents to raise her in a God-honoring home so that when she has the chance, she can decide to follow you. And I just kept praying over this child and dedicating her life to the Lord. And when I finished, the pastor of the church said, okay, now it's my turn. And he took the child and he went to dedicate the child. And it looked a little bit more like this video clip. basically took that child from me, held it up to the heavens, and put on this big show and, and put me to shame. Now, listen, I don't think that my dedication was any different than his dedication. It was just that I didn't understand how they dedicate children. And so when he lifted the child up to the heavens and he got louder and louder and he started screaming scripture and the Holy Spirit was really moving in that room, I was like, holy crap. Mine looks really weak right now. Um, but it's because I didn't understand what they were doing. So fast forward to a little bit later on in that day, we went to the river and we were going to baptize some people. And so Megan Campbell, who goes here, had an opportunity. She jumped right in. She baptized someone, did a great job. And then it was my turn. And I took this gentleman and I asked him a few questions. I wanted to make sure that he fully understood the decision he was making before he made it. And he was able to verbalize through a translator that he understood. So I said, okay, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I went to tip him back, but he fought forward and wouldn't go under the water. I was like, okay, that's weird. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This time he went further down because I was pushing him harder, but he popped right back up. And I was like, what is going on? 
Well, the guy who was leading our group just came over, grabbed him, and just dunked him under and ripped him up and didn't give him a chance to fight. He was afraid of the water. He was afraid of going under because he really didn't know how to swim, and he didn't know what was going on when I kept tipping him back. But since I couldn't speak the language and I couldn't communicate to him what I was doing, he was confused. And so what I'm hoping is that today maybe there are people here that don't really understand the culture of Waypoint or understand even the culture of the modern church and how we dedicate children or how we baptize people. And so baptism might be something that you'd consider, but you really would like to have more information about it first because you just see all these people getting dunked, but you don't even understand what's going on or why they're doing it. Well, I hope that the first part of today, I can explain to you three big myths about baptism and different views that different denominations have held. And then I'm gonna take a chunk of time and explain how we do baptism here at Waypoint and what it looks like. And then finally, we're gonna dive into the word and hopefully give you some motivation as to why you should consider being baptized. But before we get going too far, um, Let's go ahead and look at the first question that a lot of people ask when they're trying to decide if baptism is for them or not. And a question that has come up in the church is, is there a certain age limit for when you have to be baptized? Do you have to be a certain age? Do you have to go through a certain amount of classes? Do you have to be a believer for so long? These are all different questions and different churches have come up with different answers. For us, the answer is a little bit yes and a little bit no. Um, no, there's not an age requirement. No, there's not really a, a certain time. You don't have to go to a class. You don't have to follow Christ for the past 10 years or for the however long it may be. But you do have to be able to explain to us your salvation story and what baptism means to you. You have to be able to verbalize the decision and the commitment that you're making. Because for us, we want to make sure that you fully understand it. And if you have questions or if you aren't sure about something, we would love to help you process through that. But, but there's not really an age requirement. If, if you can verbalize and if we fully believe that it is your decision, then, then we're going to baptize you. But then what commonly happens after people hear that, is they think, well, what are you talking about? We see infants get baptized in different denominations. We see children get baptized. They can't explain their salvation story. So what's happening there? And after looking through the scripture, we've come to a couple conclusions. We believe that there are two different types of baptisms out there. There's a pedo-baptism, pedo meaning child or infant baptism, and then a credo-baptism, Credo meaning in Christ, baptism. And the credo baptism is also called believer's baptism. It's what we practice. You believe in Christ, you can explain your story, and you want to go get baptized. But the infant baptism, that's the one that's a little more confusing. Does that mean that the infant is saved because they were baptized? Does it mean that, that now they don't need to get baptized as an adult? Well, I think that the denominations that practice infant baptism have come to it with really, really good intentions. And in fact, they use scripture to justify why they do it. And it's something that's just misunderstood in the church. But if you were to open up your Bible to Genesis, 
we see Abraham is talking to God. And in Genesis 17, 7, God tells Abraham, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and your descendants after you. For the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. See, what God was saying was you are my chosen people and I'm gonna make a special covenant where you are blessed from this point forward. And your response is if you accept this covenant, then you and your household need to go and get circumcised. And so that was the human's end of the bargain. And a bunch of people went and did that to recognize that covenant. Well, if we fast forward to Colossians, Colossians 2, chapter 11 through 12, this is in the New Testament, after Jesus has already been the sacrifice, it says, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ after being buried with him. And so what people that practice infant baptism have concluded is based on these two sections of scripture that the covenant or the human side of the covenant has changed from circumcision to baptism. That we identify with Jesus laying in the grave and then raising again. And because we identify with that, we, as part of the covenant, get a special blessing from God. And that special blessing we want our kids and our family to have. And so at a young age, we baptize our children, not linking it to salvation, but dedicating their life to the Lord and saying, we agree with the covenant and we accept your blessing, God. We would consider this a lot more like our child dedication. And so on September 9th, if you have an infant, baby, or child that has not been dedicated to the Lord and you and your family would like to do that, there's a sign-up sheet out there. I would encourage you to sign up, and Danielle or Kylina, our two children's directors, will reach out to you at some point um, in the next few days. But when they look at pedal baptism, we would consider that similar to our child dedication, and we don't link it to salvation, and neither would these denominations. They just are linking it to a blessing from the Lord. Whereas adult baptism, we have come to the conclusion that it's a little bit different. That, that as an adult, or as a believer, as a teen, as a child, when, when you decide to follow the Lord, then you have an opportunity to make an outward expression of your inward heart's desire. And we see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. People are asking Peter what they need to do to be saved. And Peter replies, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. See, it says repent, acknowledge God, ask him into your heart, ask for forgiveness, accept salvation, and then go and be baptized. And so for us, it's really important that you can explain what that means to you so then we know you are completely ready to be baptized. And we would love to have a conversation with you if you're wondering what that looks like and if you just have questions. 
But once people can get past that idea, then they start to ask themselves a second question. And the next question when it comes to baptism that comes up a lot is once baptized, am I always baptized? Or do you guys practice rebaptism here at Waypoint? And again, the answer is yes and no. Um, it really depends on the circumstance. See, if you were to come to me and have a conversation with me and say, you know, Nick, I was baptized as a baby and, and my parents made the decision. I didn't have a choice. And now I really want to be baptized because I've accepted Christ. I'm pursuing him with all of my heart. Will you guys rebaptize me? We would say, yeah, it's two different things. As a child, it was your parents saying they are committed to raising you in a home that honors God. They were agreeing with the covenant that God gave to Abraham a really long time ago. But this, this is a believer's baptism. This is your choice. But if you came to me and said, hey, Nick, you know, I, I'm closer to God than I've ever been, and I really feel like I need to be rebaptized, what I would say is, you know, when I was 17 years old, I had an opportunity to be baptized at Brenneman Missionary Church by Pastor Cloud, who was a great influence in my family's life. And it was an incredible experience because I was baptized next to my sisters. My parents and girlfriend at the time, who became my wife, were in the crowd, and they got to witness that. And so I was really proud of that moment. But now that I'm 30 years old, I am way closer to God than I was at 17. And it's my heart's desire that at 31, 32, 40, however long I live here on earth, I, I grow closer to him. And I think if you say, I would like to be baptized because I'm closer to God now than when I originally got baptized, I would say, you're living out your faith. You're doing what God called us and commanded us to do because every day we should be growing closer to him, becoming more like him as we learn and understand and grow in our relationship. And so I don't know that rebaptism is necessary if that's the reason why. However, it would be a conversation full of grace and love. And if at the end of it, you still felt like your heart needed to be rebaptized, we would do it. We are very flexible. We want to see people make commitments to follow God and then be baptized. And so we're going to do everything in our power to make that day as comfortable for you as possible. And then the last question that comes up is, is baptism linked to your salvation? Do you have to be baptized to inherit the kingdom of heaven? I would look at two sections of scripture and, and argue that it's not. And Waypoint would clearly say, no, we do not believe that they are linked together. See, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he had two thieves next to him. One thief was saying, if you're the Messiah, why don't you just save us? This is brutal. This is painful. Or, or at least save yourself. If you're the Messiah, climb down. Do something different. You don't have to be up here. And, and the other thief spoke up and said, listen, we deserve to be up here. We've messed up, but this guy, this guy has been blameless. He doesn't deserve to be here. And then he turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, if it's in your will, will you please remember me after this happens and after we die? And in Luke chapter 23, verse 43, Jesus responds saying, truly I tell you, today you will be in paradise with me. Now, now at no point did that criminal have time to climb down off the cross and go get baptized. 
Nor did he have time to get sprinkled with water and be baptized while he was on the cross. He simply acknowledged God here on earth, and Jesus said, now I'll acknowledge you in heaven. But it, but it doesn't just end there. See, there's other sections of scripture, like in, in Acts, Paul is in jail, and he's talking to the jailer, and as he's talking to the jailer, he's explaining salvation and what they need to do to accept salvation into their life, and the jailer's saying, well, what's the first step? What do I need to do? And in Acts 16, verse 31, it says, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. It doesn't say believe in the Lord Jesus and get baptized, and you will be saved. It simply says, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. So here at Waypoint, we do not believe baptism is linked to your salvation. Instead, we believe that it is an opportunity for you to identify with Jesus, saying that when you're going in the water, you're identifying as Jesus going into the grave and then coming up out of the water, you're identifying with Jesus raising again. It's an outward expression of what your heart believes. And so I hope that this morning those three answers kind of help you as you process through what baptism is and what baptism isn't because so many denominations and churches have different stances on this. And I truly, truly believe that each church has come to conclusions based on a lot of prayer and a lot of scripture reading. And that's how we've came up with ours. And that's what we hold near and dear to our heart. And if baptism is something you're interested in, maybe this will give you a little bit of a peace, knowing what the day looks like on September 9th. So the first thing that you would need to do is sign up at the info center. If you wanna dedicate a child or get baptized, you just put your name down and phone number. And then in a couple weeks, or a couple days, because we're getting closer, somebody will reach out to you. Now, if it's for child dedication, Danielle or Kylina will just explain what the day is going to look like. If it's baptism, we're going to ask you a couple questions. We, we might ask you, hey, could you grab a cup of coffee? Or would you like to come in and have a conversation? Or could we come to your house? Because we want to hear your salvation story. And, and if you can't, it's okay. Let's just do it over the phone. We want to know what baptism means to you and why you're making this decision at this point in your life. And we want to answer as many questions as we possibly can so you are as comfortable as possible. And at the end of that conversation, if baptism is still something you desire, then, then we're all set up. If for some reason you say, you know, I'm just not comfortable with it, then, then wait. It's okay. Take time until your heart is ready. But if you sign up and you show up the day of, we'll do our baby dedication first. After we pray over and dedicate the babies, I will tell you, Danielle is an incredible woman and she's full of the spirit, but I don't know that she'll do the Lion King, so don't worry about her holding your infants in the air, but maybe she will, I don't know. Um, we'll move to baptism. And for baptism, what you will want to do is you'll wear jeans and white. Now we all know once you get wet, white becomes see-through, so wear something underneath it. But the white is representing Jesus coming out of the grave completely pure. If you remember last week, Blair put on that Jesus shirt. It's representing that Jesus is covering you and he's covering your sins and you're publicly gonna live that life out. And then what you'll do is you'll have an opportunity to share about your faith before you even get into the water. Share why you've made that decision. 
Now, if you're terrified to even get in the water in front of people, but you work up the courage to do that, we're not going to make you talk in front of everybody. You could either have somebody say something on your behalf, you could have a staff member say something, or you could read from a note, or we'll just baptize you. Whatever you are most comfortable with is what we want to do. We'll climb in the water. When we get in the water, if you want to bring somebody with you that has been a spiritual pillar in your faith, you are more than welcome to do that. You could bring a mom, you could bring a dad, you could bring a friend, whomever you want to, and we're gonna ask you three questions. We're gonna say, do you believe that Jesus is the savior of the world? Is Jesus your personal savior? Do you intend to follow him for the rest of your life? And you'll respond yes to all those, and then we'll say, close your eyes and cover your nose, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then we hug, and it's a great celebration. And afterward, we have a big cookout to celebrate the decision that members of our community decided to make. And it, it's a lot of fun. And typically, we've done this off-site, where we would drive about 15 to 20 minutes away into this beautiful piece of property, and it was incredible. But this year, we've decided to do it on-site. And the reason we've chosen that is because we want as many people to stick around after second service as possible to celebrate alongside people that are making a commitment. And we feel like it's probably easier if we just do it right here. Doesn't mean you have to stay for the food. Doesn't mean you have to stay all day. But if you aren't getting baptized but would like to still have a part in it, I would encourage you to stick around and watch how Waypoint does baptism. Now that I've kind of went through three things about what baptism is at Waypoint, and I've talked about what the day looks like, you might still be at a place where you're thinking, man, I would love to be baptized, but I, I just can't do it. I can't get up in front of people, or I, I don't feel close enough to God. How, how can I do this? You, I, I followed him for a while, but I, I'm still making mistakes left and right, and I just don't feel like I'm ready to do this. Let, let me read some things in scripture and talk about why I think you should consider getting baptized now and why this is the right time for you to do it. See, in the Gospels, there's an incident in history that happened and got recorded by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Everyone records the same section of scripture, and it's an important part of what was going on. See, John the Baptist had come. He hadn't met Jesus yet. But he was out in the wilderness in an area that was called Beyond the Jordan. Now, while he was at this area called Beyond the Jordan, he was baptizing people. And, and he was leading people to Christ. Well, the religious leaders of the time kind of felt like, what, what's going on out there? What's happening? Who is this guy? And they knew exactly who John was. See, if you remember, John was born in a pretty dramatic fashion. His dad was mute and couldn't speak until he got to a point where he could say his name is John. And everybody in the community knew who John was as he was raised because they knew he was gonna do great things. They knew he was destined for greatness. And so he went around and he preached and he taught and he had great relationships with people. So they knew exactly who was outside, the, beyond the Jordan in the wilderness. They just didn't know why he was doing it. And so the religious leader sent some people out to him to ask him a few questions. And they said, hey, who, who are you? Are, are you the Messiah? We know the Messiah is supposed to come. 
John said, no, I'm not the Messiah. Are, are you Elijah, the one from the Old Testament that was supposed to come back? No, I'm not Elijah. Are you a prophet? No, I'm not a prophet. See, see John was getting frustrated because they were looking for answers that, that they already knew the answer to. And so he responds, and it's all recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In Matthew 3.11, it says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Mark 1.7, and he began to proclaim, after me will come one more powerful than I, that the, the straps of his sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Luke 3.16, John answered them, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John 1.27, he is the one who comes after me, the straps of the sandals I am unworthy to untie. That... That section of scripture probably doesn't get talked about enough because what John just did in that culture was he made an illustration that everybody would have understood. See, he was baptizing people with water, but he was saying there's one that's more powerful to come. You, you want to know how powerful the one is to come? John, the person that was destined for greatness, the one that everybody knew in the community wasn't worthy to untie his sandals. Now, what's that mean? What would that have been like in their culture? Well, people that untied shoes and sandals were slaves. They were people that were less than because the roads were full of manure and dirt, and as you'd walk around them all day, people with wealth weren't going to bend down and touch those, so they left them for the slave's job. So John, this guy that was born in dramatic fashion, raised and made a whole bunch of relationships in the community, was saying, I don't even deserve to be a slave to the one who is to come. I hope that you know what that feeling is like, to not even feel like you deserve to enter in a relationship with Christ because he is so much better than you and I. He doesn't need us. But if it isn't for his grace, and his love and his desire to have a personal relationship with us, we have absolutely no use for him. And that, that's the picture that John was trying to create. But then another group of people have come along and said there could be more to it than that. See, I don't know if I believe this or not, but I do think it's very interesting. In the Old Testament, there was something that people would do with their shoes. When they were making a deal or a transaction, to sign that agreement, they would give the other person their shoe and say, here you go, I accept the terms of this agreement. I guess it'd be like a modern day handshake, I'm not exactly sure. And so when Boaz went to take Ruth's hand in marriage, he was talking to the guy that had rights to marry her and he was trying to win those rights from him. And, and it's recorded in Ruth 4, chapter, or chapter 4, verse 7, now in the early times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one person took off their sandal and gave it to the other. This method was legalizing transactions in Israel. And, and Boaz takes off the guy's sandal, and they trade sandal saying, we agree to this. And so some people have concluded that John was trying to create an illustration that was saying, I am not worthy to take his sandal, 
The one who is coming is going to offer you something. He's offering me something. And I can't even take that sandal off and give him anything in return. Because the deal he's offering is so good. And there's nothing I can respond or give to him. That the one who is coming is perfect. And if it wasn't for his grace and love, there would be nothing I can do for him. I hope you feel that way sometimes, that you are so humble in your Savior's presence that you don't even know how to respond because there's nothing that you can do for him other than praise him and thank him for everything that he's done in you and I's life. If you're at that place, if you feel humble that you serve a Savior that, that you can't do anything for, he doesn't get anything out of you, then go and get baptized. See, I'm going to ask the band to come up, and they're going to play a song. But before they do that, I want to, I want to share one last thing as they get ready. I was, as I reflect and think about what I'm going to share or speak on, a lot of times the Holy Spirit pops different ideas in my head. And this one idea popped in my head, but I didn't really know how it fit until I was processing through it a little bit more. See, I started to think, man, I, I run through life chasing after every little thing. I want money so that I can have security. I want friends so I can feel valuable. I want status so I can be known. I want all of these different things because I think they're going to fill me up and give me different passions and give me different desires and fill the needs that I have. And so I chase after them like a fool, like a dog returning to his vomit. But, but the truth is, if I could win the lottery ticket of life and, and figure out what this whole thing was about, I might start to live a little bit differently. I might start to view things differently. See, I always thought when I watched Back to the Future, Biff, when he got the sports almanac, I thought, man, that'd be so awesome. If I could get the sports almanac, I would be able to bet on every future event in history, and I could be so wealthy that I could have whatever I want. And I was thinking about that, and Jesus said, it, it's right here. The, the sports almanac of your life, your lottery ticket, is right here. The story's already been won. Yes, you might not have everything that you desire as a human for these 60, 70, how many ever years you live on life, but your internal reward is right here. And if you can accept the gift that God gave you, then the next step is go get baptized. Don't worry about what other people think. Don't worry about, am I close enough to Jesus? If you've accepted his gift, go get baptized. The band is going to play a song. I want you to reflect on baptism in your life and your relationship with Christ while they play, and then at some point, they're going to ask you to stand and sing along with them. <laughs>